y'all. Today I am talking to Belinda Monroe. She's a multi-talented vocalist, songwriter, performance coach, and mentor who ignites the unspoken with her powerful vocals, grace, poise, and dynamic stage presence. Belinda's journey through song began at the age of four in her home church in Toronto, Canada. That was the beginning of a dream that would eventually become a reality, taking her across Canada, the US, the Caribbean, Asia, Europe, and Australia, sharing stages with countless national and international artists such as Celine Dion, Mary J. Blige, Shirley Murdoch, Vanessa Bell Armstrong, Andre Rue, Wynton Marcellus, Wycliffe Gordon, and Luciano Pavarotti, to just name a few. Aside from sharing her gifts with us, Belinda is going to get all of the way transparent for I Know I'm Crazy. We talk high conflict parenting, step parenting, leaving New York City for the simpler life in Texas, infertility, marriage, remarriage, divorce, all those things that you can think of. Because I can guarantee that you're going to walk away from this conversation with so many nuggets. Enjoy the show. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. It's Belinda. How are you? I'm good. First, well, where in the world are you today, though? Where am I? Yes. Oh, I'm in Houston, Texas. H-Town, as they H-Town call it. H-Town in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like it's been forever since you and I caught up, but so much has changed in your life. Like, I feel like I know everything because I follow you on social media, but I also know that social media doesn't give us a real picture of the other side, which is why we do this podcast to really get to know the other side of what people are dealing with. And so guys, Belinda and I had a chance to, speak briefly and I was like wait 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 don't tell me anymore can you be a guest on the podcast because let let me (laughs) tell you this she and I met what year did we meet Belinda uh we met in 2011 I believe 2011 almost 10 years ago we were both Mm -hmm. young hopeful aspiring (laughs) girls meandering around Harlem just trying to figure out this amazing city that we both had lived in because what year did you move to New York from Canada um well I moved to New York from Atlanta um okay okay. yeah but you're from from, okay gotcha Canada right and you know I I I don't think you were the first black Canadian that I'd ever met I was like wow serious I was like what you sound like me because you don't have much (laughs) you don't much you know I because I got some girls from Nova Scotia but you don't really sound like them so Scotians, they have a different, a different dialect, Scotians. They sound kind of Midwestern, actually. Yes. So Belinda and I, we were kind of on the same social scene. She has literally one of the most beautiful singing voices that I've ever heard. She's a singer. She's a performer. She's an artist. She's a musician. And so we were both kind of living in the same community, pursuing the same things. You know, love, life, happiness, trying to blow up and all that good stuff. And I remember when, I don't recall remembering when you left, but I recall running into you after you'd moved away. And as I like to say, got grown because <laughs> remember, like when we met, did you ever see yourself as a wife and a mom and, 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 and all that jazz? Like, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> well, funny you asked. Um, 
I did see myself as a wife and a mom because mm-hmm. these are things that I prayed for and I always wanted. However, during that course of life and during my, my journey, as I call it, you know, I had some setbacks and I've, I had, you know, people telling me that it wouldn't happen mm. because of one, because of my age, two, because of my career path, three, just because of my health. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess when you are a person that moves to this, to a city to pursue a career in entertainment, especially if you're a woman, you yeah. know that there's a very short window or you think, I'm sorry, you, you've been told, and it was definitely embedded in my head. There's a short window that you have to be successful. Mm-hmm. There's because youth is one of those things in the entertainment industry that is, um, you know, they, like everybody is painting this picture. Like, that's what you got to have. You can't look right. old and be a woman. We're not allowed to age gracefully. Right. And then the same time, just as your youth is fleeting, so are, um, so are these viable eggs <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, the desire or, you know, or, or you, we think that we're less desirable. And I've heard some women say that like, oh my God, I got to get married young, but I can't have a career and a husband and kids. And I, you know, Clearly, neither one of us subscribe to that crap. Hmm. But I always, like, even me, I still live in New York City. I still, it's still, I've always even said, like, I don't feel like I could ever be disconnected from this place because I'm so inspired by living here. It's literally become the backdrop to my life. And I've grown as a woman since being here. And I'm afraid, I'm going to be straight up with y'all, you too, Belinda. I'm mm-hmm. kind of afraid to move away. So when I hear of a woman, like, that's as accomplished as you are, that had the balls to mm-hmm. go like I feel like if I left I would be depressed I feel like I'm not in the know anymore I've taken myself out of the zone of where the action happens I feel like I'd be sad so what was it like for you moving away <laughs> well <laughs> whew, where do I start I asked you 50 questions at once just answer any one of them you know there's layers there's layers to my whole story and to this journey Um, moving away came from, uh, how do I say it? Well, let me, let me, let me pedal back a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I met my husband in 2013. Okay. And after I met my husband, I, um, well, we, we fell in love and, I started to grow in a different way. And I started to think about life differently. Prior to meeting my husband, my sole focus and my goal was completely on my career. I was Mm. a touring musician. I was traveling all over the place. I was a recording musician. I was doing performance and vocal coaching. I was all over the world and all over the place doing everything and just accomplishing my dreams and my goals. And I met my husband on the road on tour with Wynton Marsalis and he really changed my life Mm. and the way that I I started to look at life and Mm -hmm. what I wanted, what I started valuing more. Um, My husband was all my nevers and he came into my life at a time where I wasn't looking to date anybody because I had come out of a tumultuous relationship. Mm -hmm. And I said that I was moving to New York, starting afresh, doing, you know, doing me. 
Yeah. And when I met him, I was doing me, but at the same time, I allowed myself to be open because I had been closed off for the last two years after this relationship. And I said, I didn't want to date. relationships will do I, it. Won't you? Those fail relationships. They will. <laughs> oh they will God. do it. They will do it. They will yes. absorb and consume you and take all of you. They will do it. Yes. And after I met him, you know, we started dating and just cultivating a relationship. And I started asking myself, do you want to go further with this person? Although he is all your nevers, what is it that is making you fall in love with this person? What were the what? nevers? Wait, wait, what were the nevers? <laughs> <laughs> I think I already know, but <laughs> well, you're the nevers that you can share. No, share all of them. What were the nevers, girl? Okay. Well, <laughs> I said I would never, you know, okay, we all have a type. I don't care what yes. anybody says, everybody has a type. Nobody is out there roaming the street and just like, oh, whatever comes, whatever, you know, this guy throws down for me, I'm going to take it. No, Mm -hmm. you know what you like. I was the one that always dated the dark skin, Morris chestnut type. That Mm -hmm. was me. That was me. (laughs) The ball player, you know, that, that was me. Oh, so you like trash dudes. No okay. offense to any dark skin ball player tr- dude that's listening to this. I'm not talking okay. about you. I'm just talking about dudes like you. Right. <laughs> the bad boys, the bad guys, the ones who we assume are bad guys. Right. So I said I would I would never date like brown skin, light skin. You know, that wasn't my type. Yeah. I wasn't attracted to them. They just didn't catch my eye. And I said, being in the music business for how many years, Mm -hmm. being around musicians, I know them. I said, I would never generalizing, right? Oh, yeah. Straight up generalizing. I said, I would never date a musician. I've been around them all my life. I know their flex. I know how they stay. Look. And some of them, I mean, and some of them are kind of hoish. I mean, if we're just going to call a hoe a hoe. Some right. of you guys that are musicians, you are kind of hoish, but I'm going to say it's because you, you tour a lot and you have access to a lot of different types of people everywhere. everywhere. And you're never home. Yeah. You're never home. You're always on the road. And that's why I said I would never date a musician. Mm-hmm. I would never date somebody that I can't come home to. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm on the road and you're on the road, we are past. We never, we never get together. Like right. it's always yeah. we're on the road. So I said I would, I would, um, I would never date a man with kids or a man that had been married. Yeah. And my husband was all of those. Oh, wait. And so he's a music. He's a musician a with music. the ex and kids. Oh, okay. Which, which is you know par for the okay. course, but. Uh. Huh. But, you know, the, the funny thing is, he got me. Oh, girl, and how? How? He got Because we all had, how do, you, how do you, what did you do about your nevers then? Where did they go? It just seemed like these, the nevers just took a back seat. Like, I didn't even think about these things. You know, the mm-hmm. first time when, when he did tell me he had children, it was like, okay, well, yeah, all right. And, <laughs> you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, mm. You got kids. 
So that means you got a crazy ex or a crazy person somewhere around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all those things we assume when we hear something um, like that, especially a single girl with no kids, you're just like, exactly. do I really want to get all up in that type of drama? Do I want to like, take all this on? Right. Do I have time to be a mom right now, an instant right. mom? Right. Do I, you know, how am I going to relate to these kids? Do I have to deal with the crazy baby mama stuff? Do yeah. I, you know, this is not me. Because you're a single girl, that. he's just getting one of you, but then right. you're getting him plus, mm-hmm. you know, like plus other people. So it's hard, right? And then there was an eight-year age difference. Oh, it was an eight-year age difference between mm-hmm. us. So the thing about it, what brought us together, and what has been the glue to keeping us together, is the fact that we're so much in sync and so much alike. It's scary Mm. to the point, to the, to to the fact that we actually look alike. (laughs) You got actually y'all do. Do when you're out, do people say, are you guys sister brothers? Well, (laughs) they don't when they see us holding hands and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's very affectionate. Unless you're in certain parts of America. Okay. That was a joke. Okay. Let me not go there. Anyway. anyway anyway so that was me that said that guys not her just fyi so you can't get in trouble for that that was totally nausea i own that baby so anyway okay. yeah he's very affectionate very affectionate so when people see us together they're like wow you guys look alike have you guys ever checked into ancestry some people, ask- <laughs> some people have asked us that yeah oh okay uh, yeah we're not even going to think about that because we're not but no. you know we know we're not related, right? But, right, right. Uh, he's wonderful. We have the same sign. We're both Scorpios, and double um, Scorpio, Mary. Double wow. Scorpio, double Scorpio. And that's the thing with Scorpios. We're one of the only signs that actually get along with each other. Really? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't oh, yeah. know that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then you you're like, all right. He checked off a lot of your boxes but then there were some major nevers and you decided Mm -hmm. to look past those nevers and say I'm going to give this Mm -hmm. person a chance you guys fell in love and you said I can have a beautiful life with him yeah at what point does a transition in your mind start to happen and say I think our lives are going to be better served elsewhere in the country and move away from the entertainment capital of the world and you being Mm -hmm. in entertainment with a successful career how how did this how does that happen i guess i'm asking for myself yes <laughs> well one it was a lot a lot a lot of prayer a lot of prayer because and a lot of traveling we didn't automatically pick texas mm-hmm. we knew in our hearts that we didn't want to live in new york anymore being yeah. entertainers we can live anywhere true because you don't have to live in the city that you rehearse in or perform in or do shows in or go to studios. There's studios everywhere. People have studios in their homes. You know, we can record right here at home and, and, and send it, email it to the studio to get it mastered. And they email it over to France or whatever, get somebody else to record on it, send it back over. Nothing has to really be done inside a brick and mortar building. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless you're doing like a, a chorus or something with a bunch of people and they have to be in the same room and that's why they make airplanes right thank you that's why they make airplanes and that's why they have zoom 
and all these other things that they have now. So Oh yeah. You don't even have to be in the studio to do a choral um situation anymore. Not anymore. Mm. So we decided that we wanted to leave New York and we wanted to get more bang for our buck. We knew that, you know, we want to get married. And we sat down and we we talked about these things like we want to get married, we want to start a family, we want to do these things, but do you want to raise your children in New York? Mm. Do you want to, you know, living in New York for seven years? Yeah, I moved in 2010 and we left in 2017. Mm -hmm. Living in New York for those seven years, even prior to that, I was coming in and out of New York for shows and for rehearsals and stuff. Having seen how women are treated, you know, Mm. with children, and oh, yeah. just going in and out the subway and nobody helping them. I saw one, one mother with a child in her arm and a stroller trying to lift the stroller up the staircase by herself. I had to go and help her. And I'm thinking, and you're seeing men walk past us saying, excuse me, telling right. us to move out of their way so they can get up the staircase. And for those of you thinking, well, where's her husband? Why does he have her taking the train? Where's her baby daddy? Honey, he might be at work. Okay, so let's just, there's plenty of, and for those of us in New York, um, even though we have cars, like we have two vehicles here, a lot of times it makes more sense to take the train. To jump on the train. Right, because because you're never going to find parking at your destination, and when you do, it's about 80 bucks. Exactly. And your car is going to get banged up. Right, or you might be sitting on the FDR for three hours, and the train can get you downtown in 20 minutes or 10 minutes. And so it's a necessary, a smelly, a pissy Mm -hmm. smelling necessary. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. Yeah, I just don't see myself lifting a stroller. Nope. I, I, I just... I don't see it. Like, you know, now we have Lyft and Uber, but I remember back in the day when we first, you and I first moved to New York, I got here in 2007, you know, I mean, we were taking cabs, but, but still, you know, she's like, geez. Remember the dollar vans? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, I think those were more popular in Brooklyn. I don't know if they had Brooklyn, those. Uptown. Right. They're more popular in Brooklyn. Yeah. I took one we in Brooklyn leaving Harlem. the West Indian parade one time. And I was like, oh my God, it's a dollar. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Does your partner share kids with a loony? Are your stepkids driving you up a wall? Is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries? Well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be. We're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, Stepmom, that's you and me. Yes. But, you know, we lived in in Harlem on yes. the second floor of a brownstone. So so that means no elevator, folks. That's what No elevator. Saying. We're walking up the stairs. Imagine walking up the stairs with a baby. And groceries. And groceries and books and whatever else you may have with you. It's a lot. And I probably just wouldn't even walk. I just sit on the floor Indian style and cry. I'm sorry. I just cross cry. applesauce and cry. And just cry. <laughs> I would just yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. There were days that I did that without a child where you're just so tired from the day, the emotional drain, just from being in New York, the emotional drain and the stress. 
Yeah. That sometimes you get home and the, you look at the staircase and you're like, I, just, I can't even do it. I can't you're do like, it. I don't have it to in me. I don't have any more energy okay, for no, these 14 steps. I can't right. do it. I'll I sit on the stoop. Hurt. You're right. I'll sit on the stoop until I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really savage living you know even if you live in one of these grand high-rise buildings with a doorman mm -hmm. I mean you still have to navigate the city yeah and as beautiful as it is it it asks a lot of you it so that's sure good to know so then you guys so you came to the decision how how'd you choose Houston well we came to the decision that we wanted to leave New York but in order to leave New York we needed to have a plan in place mm -hmm. so we decided that you know, we're not just going to leave New York up and move to <clears throat> move to another city and just look for jobs or just work. We're going to continue doing what we do, but we're going to build upon that. So we started to talk to different people about starting an arts organization. Mm. And we, we registered and started Jazz Houston, an arts organization based out of um, Houston, Texas. Yeah. It, it's patterned after jazz at Lincoln Center. Okay, okay. And we did the research and we saw that there's not many arts organizations like that, like jazz at Lincoln Center that have their own orchestra. Mm. You know, there's only about, I think, three in the U.S. that have their own sitting orchestra. Yeah, yeah. Funded. And so we said, why not start something like that in Houston? Well, we chose Houston after we had visited Nashville, Atlanta, different mm -hmm. different places. And we saw that Houston is the fourth largest city and they don't have that. We said, let's bring something to the city that will rival their their or their symphony orchestra, um, also their their Broadway district. You know, they have the ballet, they have the Broadway district, they have yes. their Philharmonic and their symphony, but they do not have a jazz orchestra. We need to bring that to the city. That's the fourth largest city. And that's it's amazing that Houston city. did not have that. Exactly. So when we decided that we were going to move, we met with the mayor of Houston and, and some other elected and officials. Yeah, let me say something. You, you know, who just says, hey, I'm going to move to the city. Let me call the mayor. Like, who just gets a meeting <laughs> with the mayor? You know? <laughs> oh, girl, I met with the mayor. Like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> if you know me, Naja, you know me. Yeah. I am the type of person I will get it done. You're like, let <laughs> me find the mayor. Yes. Okay. So then you guys okay. meet with the mayor and he's like, this is a great idea. I would love for this to be something that yes. is, is here in Houston. Yes. They got behind us, totally got behind us. And they said, the first thing he said is, are you here yet? And we were like, uh, well, we're in the process of packing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, well, let me know when you arrive, when you get here. And we surely did. <laughs> and then he put his money where his mouth is and the sure rest did. is history. Rest is history. Wow. So you guys had a plan and you're, you still get to be an artist. Do you miss New York? Do you miss the hustle and bustle? I do miss New York. The hustle and the bustle, not so much. Mm -hmm. But the fact that New York is, it's the place where, as Alicia Keys would say, dreams are made of. Mm, yeah you know I miss I miss performing a lot and uh you know life has changed for me I'm a mom now and I run an organization the nonprofit, and it's I, I don't perform as much 
Yeah. You know, um, I'm getting back into it now and recording and stuff like that. But my my first experience on the Apollo stage happened in New York, you know, mm. you know, a lot of my auditions and things and background singing, everything happened in New York. So that was where my career really, you know, it took Good off. shape, right. Yeah, it really did. You know, everything that I've done um, career-wise, its inception was in New York, whether it was oh, the- Oh, let audience. me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If you could have had the type of life, and I know Houston, you're not going to get the same type of lifestyle, everyday living in Houston- and New York, there's, there's no comparison Two completely different types of places. Right. What, what would need to happen for you to come back here? Huh. They'd need to build a beach. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the weather, the weather would have to change significantly. Okay. No. Um, you know, I'm from the North. I'm from Canada. Yeah. And I never liked the cold. I, my body just could not handle it. Yeah. So when, I yeah. Left, when, when I left Toronto, I moved down south. I moved to Atlanta. I was in Atlanta for 10 years and then from Atlanta back up north to New York and now from New York back down south to Houston. It's going to take a lot to bring me back up north. Okay. Yeah. And some of the things you, you mentioned, are, are they sound like impossibilities. So nothing. Right. <laughs> You're like, honey, it ain't happening. Right. I don't blame you, girl. I, I, I promise you nothing has changed. We recently spent six months away from New York. Um, because of the pandemic and I was just like I missed it yeah then I was just like when I got back I was like okay girl right and then that's how I feel yeah so you're like all right I miss it but guess what it's even better to just visit and I know I can leave yes you know that's one of the best parts of it it's coming home and 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 leaving so you know okay so let's shift gears a little bit because we're going to talk about becoming a wife, becoming a stepmom, becoming a mom, like all these major shifts in what you did when you were here, boom, instantly. It's like three more roles because um, when you got married, you weren't just a wife anymore. It wasn't just you. It was you considering your husband and his previous life. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask of a girl. You know what I mean? That's that's a hell of a lot. Oh, so it let's is. get into that. Like, what what was the transition like becoming simultaneously this ready-made family? <laughs> well, <laughs> Oof. well, you want to start. Where do I start with that? Because, you know, that is something that takes a lot of strength, you know. And when I say strength, I'm talking emotional and mental strength. You mm. have to be mentally prepared for something like this because you're taking on another role you already have the role of wife you already have your own role as your own person and dealing with your own career you know you're going from I'm a single girl that's got my shit together yes now here I am marrying somebody and taking on their shit a whole bunch of it too. A whole bunch of it. Oh, and it's not it. like it was one child. It's two kids. And those two so, kids have another parent. Exactly. And that all becomes a part of your life. That all becomes a part of your life. And and where things get get a little messy and tricky is when you reach out and the other person does not accept you. Mm. That's where it gets hard because it's like, here you are, the innocent one coming in. 
and trying to make sure that the kids have a great space. Yeah. You know, the main objective of this whole thing is to make sure that the kids are well. Right. You forget self and it's all about the children. They may not be my kids physically. Like I may not have pushed them out, but guess what? Married that man. They became a part of me. Right. It's us now. Mm -hmm. It's now a family of four plus their mama. Right. Right. And a lot of times when, you know, you try to be the better one and the ex will come at you a certain way, you know, it makes you question your religion. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to go somewhere. I thought you were about to get all eloquent on me. You're like... Basically what she's saying, let me break it down for y'all. Okay. You know, we're all, you know, a lot of us that listen to this, we're religious people. Uh, We might come from all different faiths or whatever. And so we're bound by certain things and words that you should not say. And I cuss a little, I'm Christian, but I cuss a little. So when you are trying to reach out and say, hi, I'm going to be a part of your kids' lives, however Mm -hmm. you decide to preface it and your hand is smacked back and that white flag that you're waving is pissed mm-hmm. on you're gonna say something you're gonna feel some ways that you're like am mm-hmm. i a bad person for wanting to beat her ass like is this right right you know am i awful no you're not a bad person i'm telling you, you are not a bad person for trying to do the right thing and being rejected rejection sucks it does and it stepmom does. rejection really sucks it really does yeah. Because it, like you said, it makes you question yourself. Yeah. You, it makes you question, is it me? Meanwhile, if you, if you look at the ex and you take it from their perspective, they're questioning themselves too. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. You know, they're questioning themselves. What was it about her that he chose her? Mm. What was it about me that he didn't want me? So you're saying you might represent this woman's own sense of not feeling adequate. You yes. might activate her own sense of rejection mm-hmm. that she might mm-hmm. be dealing with. But then here you come right, right. in her face is living, breathing embodiment of mm-hmm. a reminder of something that mm-hmm. she came up short on. And boom, here you are all smiling, looking cute, famous well, singer. Girl, please, you better you know, get off my I, phone. Right. And then when your child or your children are constantly Googling, you know, their new stepmom and see all these things. How does that make you as their mom feel when she Googles herself and her name doesn't come up? I could, I could feel like it would make me feel inadequate. You know, because me being the supermodel that I am, like, I get it, Belinda. I totally get it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I imagine though, for real, that's like a feeling of inadequacy though. Cause you're constantly comparing yourself. Right. And then, so I, I started to, to look at that situation differently. You know, I started to feel pity for her, you know, especially the fact that one, here your daughter is becoming confused because of the actions of her mother versus the actions of her stepmother Mm. her stepmother's actions were not the actions that she thought or the actions that her mother told her 
they were going to be. You know, mm-hmm. there was no bickering. I decided to take the high road. I'm not going to sit here and bicker with you because really and truly, this is not about me and you. Not even close. Because, you know, we want to be for real. A lot of mothers and stepmoms, they really never get to know one another and they are total strangers. Exactly. And to take it even further, you know, when I see a biological mother judging a a stepmother or I see a biological mother trying to remind the stepmom, listen, I had him first. It's like, well, you had a previous version of him. I have the updated, more mature, um, different version, if you will. Because I'm I'm sure just like he's changed, just like she's changed, I'm sure he has too. You know, there's not one ex of mine that could tell my husband, well, yeah, I know Naja. No, 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 boo-boo, you knew me. You knew me. You knew me. You You don't know me anymore. I I swear you don't. You'd never never be able to speak to me had I been the Naja that I am now that I was then. I wouldn't even look your way. So Exactly. And the thing about it is, even now, after how many years, you know, when she sees him or she sees the both of us together, she doesn't see the old him. And she she recognizes him. She sees the new him. Because guess what? When we connected and we became one, I added to him. Right. And he added to me Mm. I helped him to shed a lot of his old self as as well as him helping me to shed a lot of my old self so we became new beings together oh you better preach look look. (laughs) you better say it okay we became new beings together we're not the same old same old I'm not the old Belinda so then what do you do? Let me ask you this, generally speaking, because mm-hmm. I, I completely understand what you're saying. But what do you do when, and I'm sure a lot of women out there, my uh, parents out there and people out there may be thinking this too. If you have an ex-spouse or a co-parent that refuses to see the new you and they address you as the old you or the person that you used to be to them, what what is somebody supposed to do with that? <laughs> Why didn't you ask that? Hmm. So let me just give you a, a, a quick scenario. Mm-hmm. So she tried that. She tried it. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I didn't have to address it because my husband, who's the new him, he knew exactly what to do and he did it. We, we were, um, another thing, uh, we we're in Texas mm-hmm. and my husband's kids are also in Texas. That was another determining factor for our move. Right. I wanted to make sure that he would be near his children. Yes. When you get one. yourself right. When you get yourself a husband, you have to put away your selfish ways and stop thinking just about yourself. Cause right. now it's the two of you. Mm. And I'm knowing that he has children It's not just the two of us, it's the four of us. Right. What is going to help him to be a better man, a better father, a better husband? Mm. You need to be near your children. So we're going to be in the same state as them. We may not be down the street, but we'll be in the same state. Yeah, yeah. So we went to um, pick him up 
and uh, she was outside. I was sitting in the, in the car. <laughs> she was outside and the neighbor, the neighbor, I think it's a, he's single, the neighbor's single, single mm-hmm. gentleman. So she went and the neighbor came over and he was out, my husband was outside of the car with them. And she goes introducing my husband. Oh yes, this is Mr. Gardner. This is Davin. This is so-and-so's father. And my husband turns and comes to the car and he says, this is my wife, Belinda Gardner. And I guess that was like a moment I could hear glass breaking in that moment and the glass is somebody's face. Somebody's bad intentions. Look, okay. He completely, and that's what you call a real man. That's Mm. what you call sticking up for your wife. Because he saw immediately what she was trying to do. Right. She was trying to isolate you. Yeah. And, and basically completely ignore you, not isolate you. Yeah. But act like you, this, this person does not exist. Does not exist. But it's so a man's job. It's your, it's your partner's job to say, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me right. bring my, my partner on in here and right. make her a part of this scenario. Right. Yeah. Let me introduce you to my wife. Mm. Yeah. So then what happened? Well, you know, like you said, breaking glass. <laughs> yeah. The, the glass broke and that was the end of it. She right. Much, she turned around and was like, okay, well, I guess you guys have to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I guess he kind of knew what he was being pulled into. And he's probably like, ah, wait a minute. I don't want any, I don't want to be a part of this. Right. Right. He's like, oh no, I see what you're trying to do, lady. Mm-hmm. I'm taking myself out of it. I'm just going right. to go back to being a neighbor. Thank you. <laughs> And he so, saw and he knew what it was. Yeah. Just like everybody else saw, you know, when my husband did that, I was so proud. Mm, I bet you showed him later that night. Hello. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I've had some moments where I just look at him and be like, damn, that was sexy, Zaddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So then over over the years, because um, I'm assuming, you know, one thing that I see that's true with a lot of us, if, if, a, if a mother, and those of you that are biological mothers and your kids don't have a, a stepmom yet that are listening to this or vice versa, I learned that a lot of us tend to really get married to our our habits. Like if you meet a person and you feel like you don't like them for whatever reason in the beginning, most of us can't diminish our egos enough to say, well, you know what, let me give this person a chance. Like we really feel like we got to stay married. We got to stay married to this um, perception of who they were, or how they came in, or how they made us feel. And so I'm going to assume, Belinda, yours maybe like a lot of situations. Probably years later, it's probably still the same as it started, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it's just it's, and it, but it, how do you handle it now? Oh, you know, with age comes wisdom. Yes. And like I said, I take the high road with a lot of things. You realize that, you know, I, I used to be a very contentious person. Mm-hmm. I was hot at the mouth. I was ready, you know, in the crew, <laughs> in the crew. If you ask which one in the crew is the first one that will throw the first punch, that would have been me. That would have been you. Okay. It would have been me. Mm-hmm. It would have been me. I'm coming straight out the gate swinging. You popping off. Ask questions later. Yeah. That was me. (laughs) Now, now it's sit and listen to both sides. 
now I'm more of a negotiator. Mm. I'm more of the counselor. You know, you know, as you live, you learn. Yes. You realize that one, life is short. Two, you're always being watched. Somebody's always watching you. Just like I have my son. He's mm. always watching. What do I want him to see? What don't I want him to see? Right. You know, I don't want him to see the mother that is like brawling and aggravated and, you know, mm. no. he doesn't need to, to see that. He does not need to think that is what a woman should act like. And, and your stepchildren are also watching you because, you know, yeah. I kind of feel like, like, if you have a high conflict parent or those of us that grew up, like my mama was one of those moms that you did not want to play with. I saw her do some, say some petty stuff. I, I as an adult now, Mm -hmm. I can look back and be like, okay, mama, you kind of tried it sometimes. Right. And so kids, our, our kids know. They know mm -hmm. if they have a mother that, or a parent that is imbalanced emotionally, if you're mentally unstable, if they know that you just don't handle conflict well. And so they're still watching your example. And you never want to be that person when your kids are talking to their therapist. Because if you hot-headed like that, your kid is going to have to get some help one day. You're you don't sure. want them, you don't mm -hmm. want to ever say, well, my, my mother, my father is the prime example of something that I never wanted to be. Do you know how much that would freaking hurt? It would, it would, it would kill me. Yes. I don't want my child to not want to be like me. I don't yes. want my child to, to, you know, to feel like they can't come to me with something or to feel like they know they can't confide in me because mom can't handle this or she yeah. doesn't know how to act. Or I don't want my child to be embarrassed of me. Mm. And I think that's probably why when we have situations where there's a high conflict mom and there's a stepmom in the picture, she automatically now knows there's another woman that she never planned on being there that she's mm -hmm. going to be compared to. She's going to get weighed against. Now the mm -hmm. kids have an, another sort of system to look at. And right. that's, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about motherhood though. Cause you got a little baby, cute yeah. little baby boy over there. Yes. Like, you know, My little that's a little man and yeah. so you've been quite transparent beautifully transparent about your your transition and the work that it took for you to become a mom mm -hmm. and your journey and so talk a little bit about about the journey toward motherhood and everybody's looks different but I I especially admire and appreciate yours so talk to talk a little bit on that well so um in 20 was it 2012 in 2012, um, I was on the road and um, I had had an, like an, I guess, I, well, I wouldn't say an accident, but I collapsed and oh. yeah, I was in severe pain, abdominal pain and cramping oh and everything. And I collapsed and they brought me to the hospital um, and I was actually out in Europe. And they brought me to the hospital out there and um, they said it was um, uh, my, how do they call it? Myoma, myomas? Myomas. Okay. My, oh, that's, myomas is fibroids. Exactly. That is fibroids, right. That's fibroids. So when I came back to the States, I saw the, um, the doctors over here. Mm -hmm. So what happened over there was I had a cyst on my ovary that had ruptured <gasps> and it caused excruciating pain. What is it? I've heard of a lot of women, I, mm -hmm. I know people that have had a, a cyst. What does that feel like though? An well, ovary to a cyst to rupture. 
Well, what happens is it just feels like it could be your appendix. It feels mm. like, yeah, any, it's, it's a very, it's a strong, it's hard to describe because it's, it's a pain that just catches you where you lose your breath pretty much. Mm. Mine was so severe because it was so big. The cysts had gotten so big and it ruptured. And that's what made me just pass out because mm. the pain was so much. And I'm the type of person, I have a high pain tolerance. Right. You know, I have a high pain tolerance. For, so for me to pass out, that must have been to the the max of my tolerance. And so at that point you discovered, all right, so I have they fibroids. They discovered I have fibroids. So when I got back to the U.S., um, I went to my doctor and um, this is where everything took a turn for, for the worse, I, I would say. The doctor said, yes, you have fibroids and, you know, we should really look into um, uh, trying to get them either removed. Removed, okay. Yeah, trying to get them either removed or what we can try is to see your diet and let's try eating differently to see how we can shrink them. Which is a long shot, I feel like, because if you have literally a tumor in your uterus, and for those of you that don't know, fibroids are benign tumors that grow in, around, inside, all over the uterus. Mm -hmm. And they do interrupt things like fertility, um, Mm -hmm. blood flow, uh, all that good stuff. So they cause a whole bunch of problems. They cause problems and they wreak havoc within your reproductive system. Yeah. So... Um, he said, well, keep watching it and see what happens. And I told him, I said, well, why don't we just get rid of them? Right. Like, well, you know, they're not that big. But you fell out. But wait a minute. They're causing right. pain. They're causing okay. pain. Second opinion and then time. I started, I started to notice that they were, they were starting to affect me. So 2013 now, when I met my husband, that was the year I met him. 2013 now, they started growing even more. And I started noticing I have a lot of weight gain. I'm getting pressure lower in my lower abdomen area. Mm. And things just didn't seem to feel right. So I went back to the doctor again. And again, the cycle started all over again. Let's keep watching it. You know, that's why it's so important, ladies. I just want to tell you, get second and third and fourth opinions. Yeah. Never stick to the one opinion because remember every doctor has their agenda. Right. They have an agenda. The only person that cares for your health is you mm. because your health is your health. Right. Your it's health is your wealth. That's the thing. It is not up to the doctor. It's up to you to make these decisions about your body. Right. So I went to another doctor. And this doctor this time says, okay, you know what? We're going to go in. I see you have some fibroids, some fibroids. And there's one in particular that I see that might be um, in the way of you getting pregnant. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go and remove that one. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have 15 fibroids, but you're telling me there's one. You can remove one, but there's... And leave, leave the 14. 
leave the 14. Mm-hmm. So this doctor said to me, he, he said he wanted to do a hysteroscopic um, removal. So this is non-invasive. They'll go up vaginally and get it and just basically suck it up because it's small enough to get it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I have 14 other fibroids in there ranging from the size of, of two centimeters all the way to about 16 centimeters. 16 centimeters is the size of a... Like, like a big squash. <laughs> so you're like, wait, you're going to leave this thing. This It, it feels like a blood-sucking Yep. Useless thing that doesn't have to be in the body. So the doctor's like, yeah, you're going to leave that. And so clearly if a, if you, you're thinking about pregnancy, you and your husband at that point, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not a doctor, but if there's something in there that's the size of a squash and mm-hmm. there's, then there's some two centimeter ones, is this going to interfere with me getting pregnant? So and that, that was the question. Me, yes. That was my question to the doctor. And the doctor's answer to me was, Yes, you won't be able to get pregnant. So then what the hell? Thought, like, why no, would you take one out? But I thought you knew that because you have fibroids. Excuse me. I know many people who've had fibroids and have had children. Absolutely. It depends on where they are. It depends on where they are. Right. And he was like, well, it's kind of risky to go and get them because some of them are so big. and So, so fast forward now to... 2017, after I had uh, gotten married, we moved to Texas and I started seeing a fertility specialist here in Texas um, because of, because of the fact I hadn't gotten pregnant and I wasn't getting pregnant. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I started to kind of believe what the doctors had told me back in 2014. Mm. You know, I went into a state of depression. Mm. I had just moved. Because at that point, you're thinking, I, I'm i either infertile or I'm suffering from infertility. And right. because right. that's what they had told you. Right. So the doctor here, without even running tests or anything, he just knew that I had fibroids. He automatically said, you, you have, you, you're infertile. That's what he said. You're infertile. Whoa, because of fibroids? Yes. And my age. I was 37. 37? What? That's a baby. Thank you. So (gasps) he said, even if you were, you you would be a geriatric pregnancy. And (laughs) And that's what they call you after 35, right? After 35. It's just ridiculous. And I told him, I said, stop it. You know, stop it with all that talk. Yeah. I'm to listen. Sounds silly, sir. Right. That's what I told him. And he was like, no, I'm serious. This is what it is. This is what science says it is. I said, well, you know what? F science. And that's what I told him. Mm-hmm. So long story short, you know, I went to start um, to freeze my eggs. Because mm-hmm. he said, that's the only how we'll be able to have a child is via IVF, if it even works, if it takes. Okay. So I started on all the, the drugs and the treatments and the shots and everything to uh, to mature the eggs and for them to be able to get the retrieval mm-hmm. in the interim and in the process, I got pregnant naturally. Wait, so yeah. you mm-hmm. are, so you'd already paid for these drugs. You'd already, already paid for paid. the doctor's appointments. I already paid. You are taking the medication mm-hmm. and 
you get knocked up. I get knocked up. How? Because I... Thank you. Because again, like I said, we cannot just take what the doctors say as good gold. You have to do your research and you have to get second and third and fourth and fifth opinions. Yeah. You have to. Because here is he's man like anybody else. He is going off the fact that I can tell this person that they're infertile. The way I make money from my business is to, to deliver these drugs and make sure that people do this. Your business. Mm. It's a business. He is working on his business. I should have been working on mine. Right. So when me and my husband started working on our business, guess what? I got pregnant. You got pregnant. I got pregnant. And three and a half months later, I miscarried. And we lost the baby. That's when I met my OBGYN. I was, I was done. At that point, you're like, wait a minute. I don't need, you, you didn't need the fertility treatments because you knew your body could, you could get I pregnant. Knew, I knew I could get pregnant. did not hold that one. It, I, I couldn't hold it oh, because God. guess what? Those 14 fibroids that were in there were suffocating my little baby. Oh, God. My little baby couldn't grow because- My little was, baby didn't have the space. He didn't have a chance. Because if so, he, he lived that uh, long, he or she lived that long. That long, three and a half months. And that means that was a fighter too. It was a fighter, three and a half. Mm. So when I met, when I met my OBGYN, you know, I was looking for a new, an OBGYN and I, I came up on, on, on Dr. Sherry. And it said that she was the head of women's health at the hospital. She also dealt specifically with women with fibroids. So I said, this is the woman. Let me go and see if she's accepting any new patients. She wasn't accepting new patients, but they said they would fit me in. I saw her and immediately, you know, when you just click with somebody. Yeah. You're like, this is the person. You're like, she's the one. She is the one. Yeah. (laughs) Same thing. She said the same thing about me. So when she did the ultrasound. She was like, okay, well, first of all, what we have to do, we're going to do a DNC. And, you know, she. And a DNC, what a lot of people may not realize, like when you have an abortion, they Mm -hmm. go into the cervix and they kind of scrape the fetus away from Mm -hmm. your, um, what what is it? Your cervix, right? The cervix and the the, the wall. The wall. Yeah. They they scrape the Mm -hmm. fetus away and they, I guess they remove it, but they They do the same thing for a fibroid. The same thing for a fibroid. They did the DNC and that the DNC was to remove the fetus. Cause remember my child, I miscarried. So mm. whatever is left in there, they have to clean that out. That's part of the DNC. Then she said, you have a bunch of fibroids. What I want to do, I don't believe that you have a fertility problem. I believe your issue is these fibroids are in the way. And that's why your child could not survive in that environment. Mm. Imagine you being, how could you grow if everything was up against you and, and suffocating you? Could you grow? No. Not you at could, all. You couldn't. So she said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go in there. We're going to clean it out. We're going to clean out all those fibroids and we're going to start with a brand new slate. And let's new give womb. Completely new womb. Yeah, she said, let's give ourselves six months and let's see what happens. You know, I had... April, I had 
um, a myomectomy. Yeah. Okay. In, in April. And in, 20- um, guys, a myomectomy is a procedure to remove a fibroid. That's what it's yeah. called. Okay. Yeah. And this, the, the, the way they do it, mine was robotic. Mm-hmm. So they use tools, they make incisions, they made five incisions, one through the belly button where they send the camera in, and then two, two on either side of that. So one upper, one lower on the left, one upper, one lower on the right. And that's where they send the, like, I call them the robotic arms. And yeah. these are the arms that go in and they start to break the, the fibroids up so that they can pull them out, remove them. Because the the sixteen inch fibroid, you can't just pull it out of you. You have no to way. Because that seems like something you'd have to like basically have a C section almost to basically, if they were going to take it whole. Yeah, they you would have to. It would be like taking a baby out. Could you so imagine they, how many women back mm-hmm. in the day that you know had these massive fibroids and they couldn't conceive? They couldn't do anything. And they now anything. there's these procedures that could just chop up a fibroid and take it out of a tiny hole incision that they make look at that look at that so they cut through my 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 ab muscles and everything that's how they they get in to get to those fibroids Mm -hmm. they got to the fibroids they took them out they removed them i'm just gonna let everybody know right now if you do a myomectomy get ready because they pump gas into you to open your stomach up so it, oh, they can so the see space better. can be there yeah so they can see better and the space can be there for them to get so the biggest pain that you're going to feel is not from the incisions it's from the gas because you have to get all that gas that's putting you out of you oh so wait that, how does it yeah. come out the, when they when well hopefully some comes out before they close you up and oh, but they, if they know, don't close, if they don't, then it's just going to have to come out naturally. Gas just, pain hurts like hell. Yeah, because the gases goes all through your body. So you'll oh, feel like pain under my armpits, in my back, in my oh. chest, in my ribs. Then because they cut through the muscles and your ab, you have to learn to walk all over again. Sit up. You know, remember your ab muscles are no longer there. So you have to work them. Oh, learning how to sit up again, learning how to walk again, learning how to do all the things, things for yourself that, so basically you needed help um a hundred percent of the time a hundred percent everything learning to sit down like even going to the bathroom you know i thank god for my husband because he is the one that did everything i'm sorry i'm, I'm just gonna be candid with y'all <laughs> had to help me get up off the toilet wipe my butt i couldn't now do that anything. is love baby let me tell you that is love that is that love that he says this woman is doing all of this so that we can build a family of our own here in this house. Yeah. This woman is being cut in half. And you know, how could you not respect that and just okay. admire that? I admire and I love and I honor my husband. That was April of 2018. And in October of 2018, I got pregnant. Wow. Naturally. So wait, how many months, how, how much time passed? That's April, May, June, July, August, and October. That was six. So six months after the they removed all of that, you mm-hmm. got pregnant. I got pregnant. And this little ball of cuteness that I see in these photos oh gosh, was the result of that. That's Kingston. Our little miracle rainbow baby. Your that's him. Rainbow baby. Oh my god. That's Kingston. Wow. 
So it wasn't the drugs that you needed. It was just, isn't that like a, an example for real life? You know, when you move all those obstacles out of the way, when you purge, you can grow. Yeah. When you purge things that don't need to be there, because those fibroids serve no new, they didn't have no value. They were pointless. They were boundaries and barriers. They were a hindrance. Yes. They were a hindrance. And that's, like you said, this goes across the board for life. Sometimes you've got to remove things that are in your life that are holding you back. Whether it's no purpose anymore. There are some people that are in your life that serve no purpose anymore. There are some things in your life that serve no purpose anymore. And those things are suffocating you and stifling your growth. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And you've got to rid yourself of them. Whether it's people, whether it's things, whether it's, you know, who knows? But you have got to take action on your life. Got to take action. That is amazing. Amazing. Oh, Belinda, I just feel, I'm, I'm so glad. I love it when I, I get to see people that I knew from back in the day and I, I've seen your ascension and I've seen your life transitions. You know, cause like I said at the top of this podcast, you just, I never would have known that you had gone through all of this because, oh, yeah. you know, we're taught in this life, especially to just make it look pretty, you know, to oh, shine yeah. it up and to smile. Oh, but yeah. you are and especially as performers and actors. As, and actors exactly. Because you've got to make it look good. You always got to be on. Yeah. And so always has to be on. I am so thankful that you came for this hour and shared with, I know I'm crazy listeners. I know everybody listens to this and has taken something with them. And for those of you that are VIP Stepmom members, head over to VIPstepmom.com because I have an exclusive interview with Belinda for the Stepmoms Only. Oh, we are going there. Tell everybody where to find you. How do they connect with you? How do they get more Belinda Monroe? Oh, well, you can connect with me on social media at I am Belinda Monroe. Again, it's I am Belinda Monroe on Facebook and on Instagram. My website is BelindaMonroe.com and Monroe is M-U-N-R-O. Yes. All right. Well, you know what, everybody? I think that I've learned a lot. I hope you guys um, have learned a lot as well. Please connect with her and follow her and make sure you tell her Naja sent you and you heard her on the I Know I'm Crazy podcast. I will see you all. Oh, wait, I'll talk to you all week after next. Every other Tuesday, check us out on your favorite streaming platform. I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall.